The HERE podcast is all about reclaiming your power and reconnecting with your mind and body after abuse. By releasing our stories and the power it has had over our lives and creating a compassionate and supportive community, we can bring awareness, prevention, understanding, and healing to ourselves and to all who need it most. Let's join together and say, enough is enough. I own my power. I am ready for the next chapter of my life, and guess what? It's going to be the most amazing and wonderful one yet. In this episode, I talk about my experience of abuse. So depending on where you're at in your journey, this may be an episode that you want to skip. If you do feel that you are not in a place and you're not ready to hear this story, I absolutely understand and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Hello everyone and thank you so much for being here with me again today. So today, something funny, um, well I don't know if it's funny, but today I was going to tell my story and all week I was planning on recording this episode, this podcast episode And I kept thinking, oh, but I got to do this and I got to do that. Oh, and this and oh, and that. And yesterday, realizing it was Thursday and almost the end of the week, I thought to myself, girl, you are hardcore procrastinating. You need to stop it and just record. And I realized I was doing that uh, because I was nervous. I was definitely nervous once I stopped and thought about it. Um, Even though I am super passionate and all in for this podcast, for this adventure of bringing awareness and prevention and love and healing, this is like nothing lights me up more than this, than connecting with people and being able to help them on their road to healing and reclaiming their power and reconnecting with their body, it's still it's still hard for me to talk about and makes me nervous. So I said, you need to stop it and you need to sit down and you need to just do it. You promised the next episode would be your story. So it will be my story. And I also want to say before I start, how my daughter was listening to my first episode of the podcast. And she asked me, Mom, your next episode is going to be your story, right? Because I'm a little nervous to listen. I don't know if I want to listen. And I was like, you absolutely don't have to listen, of course, if if you're worried about it. But I also want you to know, I think in the first episode, I was like, I'm going to be real and raw. I just meant that I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think, oh, I don't want to share that because, because of what people might think or anything like that. I'm not going to go into like details, gory details of what happened to me, because honestly, I don't think the importance or the, the power lies in the details of what happened. I think what is most important is how it manifested in myself throughout my life. And I think that's what is most important. Again, it's not the details of exactly what happened, but how that manifested in my life. And that's why I named this episode Surviving Me. Because 
and I'm sorry if I sound a little stuffed up, I have a cold, but um, surviving me is really what I feel like I survived the most and that I do every day. So the abuse happened, yes, and that and the manipulation and everything that was involved in that kind of, um, uh, what am I trying to say, like rooted you know, had it spread within me and it grew and it manifested in different ways. But I honestly feel that as a young girl, if I would have had um, someone intervene early on and say, no, this is not your fault. Everything that this this man and his family are telling you are not true. Um, this is not a big deal, meaning Uh, on you and your body you and your body are fine you are intact you are fantastic this person is the one that is sick and has done wrong and needs help if I would have had that then I don't think that all the other ways this grew and rooted and manifested and really um uh destroyed my younger years um or made them very difficult, wouldn't, I don't think that would have happened. Um, Also, at any point in that journey of mine, so maybe if I wasn't a young girl, but I was a teen or in my 20s, if I would have had that right intervention or the knowledge myself, because honestly, I had it all within me to release myself from all of that pain. It was all within me, but I didn't know. So that's the help I'm talking about, the help of realizing that that's all within me and I don't need to carry that pain anymore. So this, I'm going to tell you my story again, not any, I'm not going to go into depth and details, just what, what happened and then really what happened after like how this kept going, how this this um, kept making me sicker mentally, um, how the pain kept going really all the way up until um, my late 20s and into my 30s. And I would love to talk about um, also how it manifests in me today. And we'll have future episodes as well. And I want to make sure that I'm bringing in experts that can talk about like how these things, you know, grow within us and and what they do and how the pain manifests and and also people that have gotten through it and are at the other end and have inspirational stories to tell and then people that are all within all different areas maybe you are just in the beginning of really trying to begin your road of healing or maybe you're already at the end or in the middle like me so I just want to build this beautiful compassionate supportive community Um, so that we can heal ourselves by releasing our stories and also so that we can help others. We can protect others. We can help people recognize signs or, or, or show them how best ways to respond. I mean, everybody's different and everybody's experience of their abuse is different. But if we can have maybe tips or ideas on how to approach that so families can be supportive of their loved one, um, I just think it would be fantastic. And I'm ready to start this huge 
I'm a big dreamer. So it's going to be a huge movement. It's going to take over the world and we're going to bring awareness and love and no more shame, no more shame. And I can't wait. All right. So I'm going to stop procrastinating and I am going to go ahead and go into my story. So when I was little, um, my mom and my dad, who is my stepdad, uh, but my dad, because they got married when I was really little, like four, um, they worked really, really hard. My mom was a waitress. My dad had lots of different uh, food, like restaurant management jobs. I remember him when I was very little managing Taco Bell and Straw Hat Pizza, um, and then, you know moved to different um, different positions to where he was like a district manager for Marriott restaurants. My mom waitressed a lot and she always was very creative, had her side um, side business. Like she would, I remember she would create like these little fairy statues or she would create um, bath salts and oils, um, perfume oils, all kinds of stuff and sell those at craft fairs and different little stores and things like that. So they were always really, really busy, um, you know, just making sure that they could provide for me and um, for themselves. So they were very busy. And I know that um, my relationship with my stepfather was he, I know he loved me, but he was also very stressed a lot often. Um, being a mom now, um, I, I understand the, the stress of, of money and working really hard and, you know, wanting to provide for your family, um, so I, I understand and I want to say like right now I have an amazing relationship with my dad. Um, he, uh, yeah, we, I remember him switching. I remember him switching jobs and going into business with my uncle. And that's when our relationship, I was 20, 21, 2021. And that's when our relationship really started to, um, become closer. And I, I think honestly, it was just because of that stress of that old job, you know, um, he was released from that and was able to really connect. And that was great. So anyways, I, um, was growing up and that was kind of the dynamic. I know that, uh, my stepfather and I, I know he loved me. We also butt heads, um, a lot. Um, I, I think that was due to stress. My mom worked a lot. She loved me as well. So, you know, I know that they, worked hard to uh, do everything that they could for me. Um, so as I grew up, really at the age of 11, uh, that's when everything, all of this happened. So when I was 11, we lived in Northern California. Um, my Both my parents worked really hard still. Um, and so, so since they worked so much, um, our neighbors babysat me. There were times that I would leave and I would, I would, I remember pound on our front window because the little lock would pop open and then I would stay by myself in the house rather than be over at my neighbor's house. But, um, they babysat me or watched me and there was uh, a whole family. So there was the wife and the husband, 
Um, there were two boys and one of the boys was around my age. Um, I believe he was a little younger than me, but like right there around my age. And so him and I were friends and they had an older daughter. And then my best friend ever was, um, the cousin of, uh, of the, the boy that I was friends with. Um, and her and I were best friends and, um, loved her to death and, and still do. So that was the whole family dynamic. And I would go and stay over at their house and they would, or um, she would watch me. The mom would watch me. Um, and again, I would often just leave and go stay in my own house, um, rather than, than be there. But how I want to mention this is something that's often kept me from really talking about my story besides everything mental <laughs> that has to do with it is the fact that I really remember it in scenes. And I mentioned it in the first episode. I remember these scenes. I remember three core scenes, three big scenes, um, that, that had a huge effect on me. And then I remember these other two, but they're in like these little bits and pieces. I don't know, it's it's stuck in my head, but I don't remember them all clearly. So I'm going to share those with you. But the thing is, is I am going to share them in, in just honestly a random order because I have no time marker on, oh, this happened before this or this happened after. Um, I know that I've blocked out a lot of stuff and... Um, I haven't gone to therapy to recover all of that. And I'll talk about my experience with therapy in in a moment. But um, I just remember these scenes. So bear with me. Uh, The things that stuck out most about the scenes are the things that replay tapes in my head throughout my life that had caused, um, you know, you know, me to me to um, struggle. But all right. So the first scenes were, I would go over there and I would play. And I remember um, one day I was playing with um, my friend and he, we were in his room and we were playing and he had these glow in the dark pajamas. And um, I think they were transformer pajamas, but I don't remember. And so he's like, let's go in the closet and look at my pajamas because they glow in the dark. And I remember he had like a bunch of toys in his closet. And so he had to climb on the toys and he shut the door and his pajamas glowed and it was super cool. And then I remember hearing the front door open and close. And I knew that his dad was home and he knew too. Something I want to say, I am not going to share, I should have mentioned this early. I'm not going to share any names. That's why I keep saying the mom, the dad, my friend, um, because their story is not my story to tell. I can only tell you my story. So I don't think it's fair for me to mention names. And I mean, because that's their story. It's not my place to to share their story. And I'm sure their version of the story is going to be from their point of view. So there's going to be um, some differences from from their point of view of what they experienced. But um, I can, so I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. That's why I'm trying to be vague around, on, around that, uh, those sorts of details. But anyways, we both got quiet. I don't know exactly 
if anything, right, happened to him. But I know he was scared of his dad. And I know he had a lot of anger. My friend, he had a lot of anger. And uh, it manifested in different ways in our friendship. But I know in that moment, we were both very scared and quiet. And so we decided to hide in, just be quiet in the closet, right? And um, so this is a part of my scene. I remember so very clearly hearing the footsteps. I remember hearing his bedroom door open. And I remember staring with my my breath held at, you know, that little strip of light underneath the door from the light from the room and then the dark closet. And I remember um, that strip of light like getting darker. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I knew he was in the room. And and then he opened the door. And, uh, and I, I know we were both kind of frozen and he asked what we were doing. And um, I... I, I vaguely remember us saying that, you know, showing me his pajamas because they, they uh, glowed in the dark. So then he asked me to come out of, or asked um, his son to come out of the closet. And as I came out, he told me to stay there and to lie down. And so in this part of it, um, he, I feel really terrible for his son as well. Because he, um, he was, you know, um, looking at, looking at me, um, uh, see, it's, it's obviously, it's obviously hard for me to talk about even now as an adult, you know, as an adult woman, it's so crazy. It's just so crazy. Um. Anyways, he was looking at me in between my legs. I was laying back on the toys, right? And then he was like telling him, oh, let's, let's put this, you know, inside of her or this. Um, and I like, you know, there's various toys or whatever that were on the ground. And he was trying to get his son to like participate with him and he didn't want to tell he was so upset and I know that's why my friend would get so mad at me like um he I know that he was just taking it out on me like I don't want you to come over or you know you know things like that because he just didn't want that to happen I totally get it back then of course I was a kid and I was like why are you being so mean to me but I understand that now um but that's one that's one scene um, that happened. Okay. So the next scene that I remember, um, uh, I was over there because they were babysitting me and I was playing, um, really loved playing with my friends. He had He-Man, He-Man. And I remember so clearly that green, I think it was a green tiger with orange stripes, it might have been the opposite, but I just remember I loved all of those things. So um, all of his like He-Men and, and, and stuff like that. So we were playing with those things and uh, his dad came home and came into his room and told him to leave the room and he didn't want to leave. And then he, he made him leave and he told me to um, lay down on the bed 
and he um uh he, he uh, I don't even like saying saying it but um he um you know he he touched me and um uh penetrated me with his fingers um he um uh, orally went you know um abused me that way as well and then he he got on top of me and he raped me and I remember it was very very painful I remember he was very heavy but what I remember most of all which is I think I mentioned it in my first episode is this picture on the wall my clearest my clearest vision is of this wood this wood paneled wall and there was a picture of like a house like a little kid drawing with crayons with a sun and a house and a chimney and it was hanging there on a piece of tape just like an old piece of tape dangling i remember that picture so clearly and i remember the blinds so right next to it there were these um you know those old those like um <clears throat> They're not plastic. They're almost like metal, and they're those terrible blinds that bend, and you can never get them to go up, and they're like all these strips. I'm not explaining it correctly, but they were all kind of like old and dusty and and kind of yellowed because of the sun. And I remember the rays of light coming through them and like the dust particles floating in the light. So those are like my biggest memories. Um, I must have been crying. Um, I remember him saying that um using the word tight and so and the only reason i mention that is because that manifests later in my life of something that ooh, is like ooh, even just saying it and it's it's silly that shouldn't that it's not silly that i feel that way it's just it's not something that i should feel adverse to but because of this um but i must have been crying because he's told me to stop being a crybaby so that's another thing I hate that word. That word is to me is like, like in Harry Potter. And yes, I'm going to be a total nerd and reference Harry Potter in this story of mine, which <laughs> is bizarre, but uh, like Voldemort, like you can't say that name. Everyone's like, oh my God, you can't say that name. Crybaby. Like if I hear someone call someone a crybaby, that's almost like them calling them like a horrible, horrible curse word to me. And that's why. But I hate that word. <clears throat> so he called me a crybaby and um, said, stop being a crybaby. And then he finally got off me and he smacked me across the face and told me to get out of there. I remember running out. I ran over to my house. I told my mom that he, I didn't tell her what happened, but I told her that he hit me and called me a crybaby. Um, I talked to her about this later and she said that she had gone over and that his wife answered the door and said, you know, he gets really stressed when he gets home. So it's better if Felicia's not here when he gets home. So actually thinking about that, I think that's why like I would be over there for a certain amount of time and then leave and spend the rest of the time until my parents got home at, um, uh, in my house. And then I know eventually I started hanging out with my best friend, um, and going over to her house. So I'm not exactly sure on the timeline, but I do remember um, my mom telling me that she said, oh, he gets stressed out, and um, so it's better Felicia's not here when he gets home. <clears throat> my other scene I remember is, um, I call it the nutcracker scene, and it was Christmas, 
I know that because there was a Christmas tree. And or it was around Christmas. I obviously wasn't at their house on Christmas Day, but it was around Christmas. Um, it was after dinner. And because everybody was still or it was like right wrapping up dinner because the family was still eating dinner and he was in the living room sitting on the sofa and to the right was the Christmas tree. Um, I was walking I was going to walk, uh, I think I was going home, but anyways, I know I just left the kitchen and I was walking towards the door <clears throat> and he told me to come over to him and he hoisted me up on his lap and he, and he told me to sit on his lap. Um, and he just put his hands under my dress and molested me that way. And I remember I was sitting there, I was quiet um, I don't remember if I was crying or not, but I know that I was being very quiet. He was telling me to be quiet. And then on the TV was playing Taxi. And I don't think, I think I mentioned this to my husband that I hate that show. And I remember him being like, it was such a funny show, but I don't think I told him why. But Taxi was playing. So when I hear that music for Taxi or see those characters I can I can picture them in my mind every single character right now um I I I I just hate it and nothing to the actors or to taxi but that's like the re the reaction it gives me so um anyways when he was done he said I was such a good girl I could pick any ornament off the tree and keep it and I remember I picked a little wooden nutcracker because I loved the nutcracker. And when I was little, my grandma would come, I think almost every year. I remember it as every year. Maybe it wasn't that often, but I remember it every Christmas. And me and her and my mom would go into the big, beautiful theater in the city, wherever we lived, because we moved a lot every year we moved, and um, watch the nutcracker. And I would dress up and I loved the nutcracker. So I picked a nutcracker and I kept that nutcracker. I kept that nutcracker into my teen years when one day I found it and I put it in the fireplace and burned it. So um, I remember that. The last two things are the tiniest of bits. They're tiny. Um, I remember they wanted me to go to Calistoga with them. And I was crying and I didn't want to go. And I believe my dad, nothing to my dad. He thought I was being rude and he told me to stop it. And I ended up going. Um, and obviously he may remember that differently. That's just like what I re remember. I just remember I was crying and I didn't want to go. I remember my dad thinking I was being rude and to stop it. So um, we went. That is a big a big block. I remember being in the pool and his son holding my head under the water and somebody pulling him off me. So like he was, so that's what I'm talking about with the anger manifested. Like he, the, the son my, was holding my head under the water and thought he was trying to drown me is, you know, what it felt like. And so I remember that and I stayed there overnight and I didn't remember anything for a very long time. And 
three in December. So, you know, a few months ago in December, I had a dream. I had this uh, dream of me in like just like a tank top and my underwear and my friend in his underwear and his dad um, molesting him. And uh, I pictured the room and everything. And when I woke up, and I remember in my dream, I was just like nervous and like waiting for it to be my turn. I knew it was going to be my turn. And when I woke up, I had this intense sense of, um, believe it or not, calm, like, like it was a, like a memory, like this, uh, like, just like it was real. Not like those nightmares you have where they seem so real and you wake up and you're like, oh my God, thank God that's not real. But more of like, like this was a memory, but again, I'm not sure. Right. So I Googled the, um, Calistoga hot springs and this particular place that we went and I looked at the rooms and it was crazy. It was exactly, exactly 100% the same room same colored walls, same setup that was in my dream. Now, of course, I could be combining things, right? It was a dream. Your dreams are crazy the way they combined things. Um, all I know is that the, the facts I know is that I went to Galstoga with them and uh, my friend was holding my head under the water like he wanted to drown me. And then that's it. Um, the last thing is, is a tiny bit too. It's a tiny little bit in piece is a slumber party. I was sleeping over maybe it's because we're going to Calistoga. I don't, I don't know why, but I remember I was sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag with my friend. Um, she was with me in the room and I remember we were facing each other and he came to the door and he saw I was awake and he motioned for me to go follow him. And then I looked at my friend and her eyes were closed and I felt so scared and so alone. That's all I remember with that. I just, I remember that little bit and I don't know um, where that led after that, but those are my scenes that I remember specific to the abuse. The other things that I remember, and this is more for, and I'm sure my, you know, uh, my mom may share that she remembers it differently or um, what have you, but uh, I remember, and I just don't remember where this fits after which experience, but I remember um, I was bleeding and I told my mom and she said, oh, maybe you're starting your period. But then that's it. I don't remember ever having a conversation about a period again or having, you know, pads or tampons or anything like that. Um, maybe she got all that. And since it wasn't obviously a period that I didn't use them, so I didn't remember those specifics. But I just remember saying maybe that's what it is and knowing that that's not what it is. Um, and then that was that. I remember I remember also taking a bath and my mom telling me I needed to use soap all over my body and I told her I couldn't use it between my legs because it burned and I remember her saying well that's odd it shouldn't burn but then that's it I don't remember um 
I mean, I don't remember there being any other sort of inquiry on why it burned or anything like that. I just remember that that was that. That, uh, when I was 11 years old, is when um, I also started, I had intense anger and sadness. I had horrific nightmares. I can only explain them as um, like uh, the Freddy Krueger nightmares. I would have nightmares um, that a man was chasing me and then he would catch me and he would cut me with razor blades between my legs. And those were my dreams. And I had them all the time and I would scream. It was horrible. Um, I remember that's when I started to develop these little, uh, not like these little OCD type things. Like I would be doing my homework and if I wrote a letter very beautifully, I would circle it. And if I wrote it ugly, I would erase it. If the eraser made any kind of like, you know, those smudgy marks that erasers make, I would tear up all of it and start over. Like I had like this, um, I obviously I was tormented. Um, I had fits of anger and I remember one particular time and then my dad, he was really stressed out in anger. So we would, we would fight and he would get mad at me and we'd fight and I would be angry. And, um, something important, the reason, because, well, first of all, um, don't ever ask, you can ask somebody that experienced abuse, why didn't you feel comfortable telling me? But don't ever say, why didn't you say anything? How was I supposed to know? You didn't tell me because that's blaming. That's now that, that that's what that feels like. That is my fault because I didn't tell you. And it's my fault. Um, that you didn't know. And yes, I didn't say anything, but um, there's there's reasons why. So just just know that not to say that to somebody who's experienced something like this. But um, he told me that if I told my parents they would hate me, they would be disgusted with me. And at the time, um, I had a really loving relationship with my mom, um, but my stepdad, um, we, we would fight a lot. And um, I thought he already knew and that's why he hated me. He didn't hate me. I thought he did, um, because he was angry often and, uh, we fought all the time. So I thought he knew also, um, this man's, uh, older daughter, she was older than me. I believe she was around 20, but maybe that's just how I saw her as 20, but she was older than me and she, you know, could drive and had a boyfriend and all that stuff. She told me once in her room, I know what he's doing to you. He's done the same thing to me. Please don't say anything or you'll, you will tear apart our family. So there's this girl that I don't want to tear apart her family. I mean, that felt selfish of me to, you know, I don't want to inflict pain on, on all of these people. Um, this girl that I look up to, she was older and she was cool and, and I didn't want to tear apart her family and I didn't want to tear apart any family. So that was the beginnings of why I didn't say anything. Then after, um, I would try to say things though. Like I remember drawing all these little pictures, these little stick, cause I'm not a good artist, but these little stick drawings of a girl like bleeding or like all these different little pictures. And I would like hide them or put them throughout the garage like thinking that someone's going to go out there and see them, you know, and then somebody will ask me and they'll know and, and, uh, I'll be free. 
And um, no one ever found them. Again, not blaming. I don't know how I was expecting that my parents would go into the garage and find this picture. And um, But I do remember once going out into the garage and looking and they weren't there anymore. Like they were thrown away. Um, but, you know, I don't know. So there was that. Uh, but I would have a lot of anger and I remember I was really angry. I don't remember what about, but I was in my room and I was so angry. And um, I had this little music box. It had a little jester and a scene of Paris in the background. And when you open the drawer, the little the little guy would dance around. I loved that. I don't even know where I got that box. Probably from my mom. I don't remember, but I loved it. And um, I was in such a rage. I grabbed the box and I threw it on the ground and it broke. And I was devastated. I was so devastated that I broke that little jewelry box. And the reason I'm telling you that is because from that moment forward, when I was feeling that rage and that anger and that stress, I would hurt myself instead. Because by hurting myself, um, probably part of me felt like I deserved it. Um, I wasn't breaking anything that I loved and it would tire me out, you know, by doing that. So that's when I started to do that. And I remember, um, and actually my mom listened to my first episode and she had mentioned this and, and I, I totally remember that is I wanted my friend to spend the night. I, my mom said no, or my dad said no, I don't know. Um, but the answer was no. And I got so mad. I was filled with that, that rage. And obviously it wasn't because my friend couldn't spend the night. It was because of everything else I was going through. But I scratched my uh, my legs, my thighs. I, like I scratched them up with my my fingernails. And so I had scratches on my legs, and my mom saw it. And that's when she said, "If you, what's wrong with you? If you don't stop this, I'm going to send you to a mental institution or a mental hospital." Um, I remember that. So, anyways, growing up, I just I just kept harboring that pain and that shame and that guilt. I literally, I've written lots of poetry. I still have it from back then where I felt completely disconnected from my body. My body was a different entity. I hated it and I didn't want anything to do with it. And um, that's what I mean when I say reconnecting with your body and your mind. I felt like I was going insane and I felt like me and my body were two separate things and I couldn't stand it. And when I would be mad, I would do things like, and this is now going like throughout, throughout my life from when I was a kid and going into my teenage years, I self-medicated. So, um, alcohol, marijuana, but more typically, especially when I was in, in, in high school, over the counter, like Benadryl, NyQuil, I remember coming home and taking NyQuil and passing out. I just didn't want to feel that pain anymore. Um, I did that all the time every day. I remember there was a period of time where I just locked myself in my room and just thought of death and dying and, um, self-harm. I, I was, I would cut myself. I would burn myself. This is crazy. I know I hit myself in the face with baseball bats. I, um, I hate, I just, I can't even explain how much I hated myself. So when, 
when anybody talked about or talks about that reconnecting with your child you once were, oh my gosh, to even even fathom that is so tremendously painful for me right now as an adult because of all of the pain I put her through. And I understand she is me and I am her, but the pain and the suffering, like I just wish so desperately I knew now I I knew I knew now then, right? I knew what I knew now then. So that I mean, she didn't deserve all of that. All of that pain. She didn't deserve it. It's it's I was so angry that he ruined my life. But I ruined my life as well. But I'm not mad at, I mean I, I I didn't know. I didn't know you know what to do or it's just, it's terrible to think. And there's so much, and I, I don't want to go too on and on. But there were those things. Um, just a couple more things that were like little road markers along the way. I remember when I was, I think in the sixth grade. Uh, no, the fifth grade. The fifth grade, um, the nightmares started to get really intense. And um, in the fifth grade, I, I felt like I wanted to tell because I was just going crazy in my own head. I was in so much pain and fear and confusion and I wanted to say something to my mom but I was nervous so we were watching this um, show called my name is Steven I don't know if you've seen it but it's about this little boy who was kidnapped and then um, sexually abused for years and years by this horrible man it's a true story Um, we were watching that and which little side note to this day, if I watch something that has that content, or maybe it's just like even a mention, the movie isn't about that, but that's something that happens in that movie. Uh, the next day I feel depressed. And for the longest time I would wake up, I'd be like, why do I feel so depressed today? What's wrong with me? And then I was able to always relate it back to a news story I heard or something I watched on TV. Um, and it's like, it's almost like it awakened this little depression beast inside of me and that would wake up a little bit the next day I'd feel I'd feel depressed and I wouldn't know why until I made that correlation um so now I know and I this is terrible but I honestly don't even read the news or listen to the news I rely heavily on my husband to tell me if there has been some uh tragedy or something that we need to know because there's too many of these stories again why I want to make this podcast, why I want to create this community. There are too many of these stories and there are so there's triple that, quadruple that of people who aren't speaking and who don't feel safe to speak, children um, that are scared. So another reason I just I just really I want to do this. But I digress. I totally lost track of what I was talking about. Um Oh, that my first name is Steven. We were watching that show and my mom said, again, no fault to my mom. She's just, you know, she doesn't know. She said, if anything like that ever happened to you, I'd feel like the worst mother. So my plans for telling her what happened, I obviously didn't want her to because I didn't want her to feel like the worst mother. That made a huge impact. And so I didn't, um, and I don't want to scare parents. It's like, you're not going to be able to 
make sure every single thing you say is perfect. Like how could how could anyone know that by saying that that would affect me in that way? It's more just being conscious and visual of signs and um you know just being there and available. I remember I finally told my first boyfriend, I was a freshman in high school and I finally told him that I had been abused. I didn't tell him like everything, but I told him that I had been raped and sexually abused. And I remember him saying, well, why don't, well, you need to just get over it. That happened a long time ago. So that brings me to this point. Don't ever tell someone to get over it. I have realized now as a 43 year old woman that I will never be over it. I'm not over it. I'll never be over it. What I will be is able to live with it. I'll be able to love myself. I'll be able to take what has happened and transform it into good, which is what I'm hoping to do right now. But I will never be over it and I don't ever need to be over it. By saying get over it, what happens is, or what happened to me, is I felt like here's another thing that's wrong with me. Why is it affecting me so bad? Why am I not over it? Why can't I sleep? Why am I having trouble in sexual relationships? Why am I why all these things? I should just get over it, which makes me feel even worse. So don't ever say that to somebody. It's just not fair. He was a teenager. I'm not mad at him. Um, but I know I've heard it um, even from adults. And so just want to bring that awareness out there. Um, I when I was a teenager, I tried. Uh, I thought about committing suicide on a daily basis. I was, I would be up all night with insomnia. Um, I, I, oh, it was just a miserable, miserable time. Um, but I, once I tried to commit suicide, I drank two bottles of NyQuil. Thought that would do it. It didn't. I just was not sleepy. I was super hyper and then I got super sick. I remember... Uh, just a lot of stuff. There's a lot, you know what? And it could come out in, we could talk about it in other episodes. I just, I really uh, self-abused, but those different things. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know, I don't really know how to resolve this, but counselors. Um, When I finally told my mom, when I finally told my mom, and this is how I remember it, I was a teenager. And at that point, I mean, I was, it it was, I literally never thought I would survive this. I felt like I was drowning in tar and I would never be happy ever again. I was convinced of it. And I was angry about something. I kicked a hole in the wall. So that's when I kicked a hole in the wall. My mom was upset. So then I told her what happened. I didn't tell her what happened to what I said right now. I just said that he had uh, abused me. Maybe I'd said he raped me. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just told her that it had happened. And I remember she was so upset and she cried and she cried. I remember she was in her room crying. I left at one point. I was in my room. She was crying. I remember my dad being upset with me for making her so sad. Um, I remember her saying, how is she supposed to know? Why didn't you tell me? And I acknowledge, I, I, I am a mother and I could, I know how horrifically painful that would be. On the other hand, I remember sitting there like I've hurt my mom 
I don't ever talk to my mom about this because I'm protecting her. I don't want to hurt her. So I just, I don't, we don't talk about it. And, um, I remember that. And so that was difficult. Um, so I know as a mom, I taking that, that if, that if God forbid that happened to one of my children, that I would, I would take that emotion in private and just make sure that, okay, I'm here. You're the one that's in pain. I'm here for you. Let's work to make it better. Um, and then I guarantee that I would be silently in the closet crying. (laughs) I guarantee it. But so there was that piece. And, um, I want to leave you though with some some hope and I'm sure other things will come out as we're talking to guests as we're talking to experts as we're doing all of that but I think I've thrown enough at you today um the last piece that I do want to end which is um a really positive note as I went into my 20s I um oh I'm sorry I wanted to tell you about the counselors so anyways when I told my mom she um did at one point take me to a counselor. And I remember sitting there terrified. I had just told my mom, was like the second person, right? I told my first boyfriend, told me to get over it. And I told my mom and I didn't even tell him everything. Um, I was sitting at this counselor and all I remember her telling me, you need to take action. You need to, we need to bring justice. We need to, you know, you need to, you know, go to court and bring this man to court. I carry guilt for not doing that. Um, I also was terrified and uh, like not ready for all of that. I never went back to her again. And then I never talked to a counselor again until I was in college. And when I was in college, um, I was, uh, was even more severely depressed and I signed up to talk to a counselor and, um, I was too scared to go and I missed my appointment, but I didn't call to tell her, um, which I know there's rules about that. I get it. Fast forward, um, a month later, I am literally about to kill myself. I'm sitting there with the pills. I have them all. And I pick up the phone and I call her and I'm like, I want to kill myself. I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody now. And she said to me, I'm sorry, you're going to have to find another counselor. You missed our appointment without giving me advance notice. So I can no longer see you and you need to find someone else. Good thing at the time, my roommate and friend, and I will mention her name because that was great, um, uh, Gina. She she got there and she has she's such a good friend and was my roommate for my entire time and was really there for me and I know would look out for me when I was sick and um so obviously I did not do anything but I remember that and I I just couldn't believe it. Last time I saw a counselor I was in my 20s. So this is the good piece I was getting to. I had my first baby, my first baby, Ella, and I was still, um, I remember I was diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder and a major depressive disorder, something like that. Um, And so it was a struggle for me. It was a struggle for me still. It was a struggle for me in my relationship. We have plenty of time to get into anything like that and share stories around that type of how it manifests in your relationships with your 
your partners and things like that and your children and everything. But I saw her and was like, I have to get better. I have to get better for her. And I really started to, I went back to see a counselor. He was phenomenal. I felt safe. I felt heard. Um, He didn't want to put me on medication straight off. Like he wanted to talk to me and he was magnificent. And unfortunately, after three months of therapy, um, his secretary called me to let me know that he had passed away from a heart attack. Never saw a counselor since, but um, he was a great guy. And so then I started to work really hard on myself. I started to practice Buddhism, um, which I think I mentioned I have 16 tattoos, or maybe I haven't. I don't know, but I do. Um, And the majority of them are dedicated to Buddhism and how much it's healed me. And that's definitely something I want to explore with all of you is um, just spirituality in general. It could be religion, um, Buddhism, whatever the case may be. But I started to work and then I had my daughter, Kate, and continued to work harder. Um, My depression lasted into my 30s and something, there's this woman I worked with and I had told her um, she was, I, I won't use her name just in case, but when I worked at Nordstrom, I went into the back um, stock room and she was crying and I asked her what was wrong. And she said, um, you know, it was the anniversary of her mom's death and she had died many years ago, but she had committed suicide. And she was saying it's always been, and she was a grown woman now. She's like, it's always been really hard for me. I don't know why I wasn't special enough for my mom to want to live or to keep living. And I think I've told her this, but you know what? I'm going to write her a message after I'm done recording this episode. She made a tremendous impact on me as well because there would be times, um, so when my daughters were very young, they were toddlers, I, I got a divorce. And so we split custody. And when my girls were with their dad, I literally would have all the pills in bottles lined up and I would stare at them. And I would want to take them that that, you know, inner little bad voice wanted me to take them. But I kept thinking, I don't want my girls to think that they're not special enough for me to live. I don't want them to think that because they are. And that's what got me through that forced me to do everything I could to heal. And although I feel like a Frankenstein in um, the way that I've pieced myself together. Um, I've looked for ways to heal and piece myself together. I still am in a completely different place. I, I have little bits that sprout up, but nothing even compared to the darkness I was in. I went from wishing I was dead every day to now I fear death because I'm so happy and I love my children and I love my husband and I love my life and I'm so incredibly happy. So it was my, my children, that girl I worked with, um, my, uh, that really helped me, um, heal. And then finally ending in my husband, um, my husband now, he is phenomenal. I can't even explain the ways he's helped me heal. And I'm so extremely happy So another thing I want to do with this podcast and with this community is I remember truly 100% believing when I was young, I would never be happy. That's how deep it is. And honestly and thoroughly 
everyone would be happier without me if I wasn't here. I know they would be sad, but they would be happy because they wouldn't have me as a burden. And those those feelings, if you have children or, or loved ones that are feeling suicidal, those feelings are just like you just, it's so scary and hard because you can't uh, like rationalize with them. Like, no, this is not true. It will get better because it just doesn't feel like it will. But because I pushed through because of my children and I loved, I wanted to be there for them. And then um, am at a place now where, oh my gosh, I don't want to die. I fear death. I want to take care of myself. I want, I want to live till I'm a hundred. Oh my gosh. I want to live until I'm a hundred. I want others to know that are in that space of they don't want to live that I it is a lot of hard work but it does get better and you can experience true deep happiness bliss love contentment you can you absolutely can and I want to be here for you to help you through that journey I want to create a community that we're helping each other through this journey because it is possible it's possible to reconnect with yourself and to love your body again crazy but true this is all possible so to wrap up this episode i want to reinforce that this healing is possible um please feel free to reach out with me however is comfortable for you i have an email felicia at herepodcast.com um it will be in the show notes i have instagram you can instagram message me you could facebook message me you can email me um if you want to share your story let me know if you just want to talk like you just want to tell me maybe i'm the first person you want to tell but you don't want me telling anybody else that's fine like um i also want to know from all of you what do you need so besides stories of inspiration stories of how people healed and how people were able to move past it or um or how to look for um signs in your the children in your life um but i i want you uh to let me know too, like uh, Felicia, I would really love, this is what I struggle with. I would love to learn more about it. I would love to talk about it. I would love for you to have an episode on why this or that. I want to hear this. Felicia, I really want a Facebook group community. Can you start that? Whatever it is that you need, please let me know because I want to do that for you. And I'm going to be here for the long run. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep recording and recording and recording. Um, And uh, we're going to build this this community and it's going to be fantastic. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening to my story. Next week, I am going to talk about those things that I just briefly mentioned that really helped me work towards healing. Um, Some really great books, um, some different uh, mindfulness techniques, different stuff that has helped me personally. And then I'll make sure that I have um, all of that information available for you as well if you want to take a look. And so we're going to have a healing episode next week um, coming out of 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 today's episode so thank you again so much i really uh, appreciate all of you and love all of you and look forward to connecting with you again if at any time you feel that you need extra support please contact your local crisis center for suggested numbers for confidential support please see the show notes for this episode on your app and on our website.